myself here out in Western Canada. This is our first reunion tour in 2008. We get right to the last state in Calgary playing the Deerfoot Casino. Put on a great show and uh, after the show I felt like I was getting the flu. So I went down to my room and it was, we, we had great big rooms, we had kitchenettes in them and everything, right? And a, and a couch and there was a, the bedroom was actually separate from the main room. But uh, my best friend and my merchandiser, Randy, was with me. I said, look it. I said, uh, would you just hang out with me? I said, uh, I don't feel well. And uh, I think I need somebody to be with me. He went, okay. So he started watching TV and I laid down when my fingers start, my thumb started throbbing in my finger where I got a sliver in it. And uh, I thought I better go to the hospital. Some kept telling me I was going to lose my finger if I didn't go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and they took me in. They immediately realized I had blood poisoning. I had a little sliver in my finger and it went right up my arm, right up to my shoulder. If it gets over your heart, you're dead, right? So I had about, I don't know, six inches to go. And uh, so they immediately started me on antibiotics. And then the doctor came in, he goes, hey, he says, you ever done morphine? I go, no. He goes, well, you're going to do it now. And he gave me a shot of morphine. <laughs> And about 20 minutes later, he come back and he said, do you feel? I said, yeah, I'm fucked right up. I said, I don't, and I don't like it either. Shit. Anyway, he says, okay. He says, you want to watch me do this? I said, do what? He said, like, I cut the poison out. I said, uh, no, I really don't want to watch. He said, well, turn your head. I said, well, you're going to do it right here in emergency. He said, yep. So he took a scab, uh, 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 like a knife out, right? And he cut down my finger right here. Right, right down to the friggin' bone, and he took all the friggin' poison out, and then he cut across the palm of my hand, and he took all the poison out of there. So I had the uh, uh, the antibiotics running on this arm, and he cut the shit out of this hand. And at seven o'clock in the morning, when I'm all fucked up on morphine, they go, "You can't leave the province of Alberta, but you got to get out of here." And they kicked me out of the parking lot, and it was what? snowing out. It was snowing outside, and I'm walking around like this. <laughs> there are two hands that freaking I go back in I couldn't even get my goddamn hands in my pockets to get out of court to make a phone call so I I went up to the front desk I said look it I, I said I know I got to go somewhere don't exactly know where but would you phone my wife so they went and phoned Linda back in Ontario Linda gets on the phone and I go I guess you got to help me they fucking dropped me off they left me here and I I, I need I, I need to get back well, Linda freaked out. She goes, what the hell is going on? She phones back to the casino and uh, she gets the front desk and she says, um, I'm the singer's wife. Put me through to the room because Randy was supposed to be in it. Well, Jerry, Jerry Doucette was playing with us. So they go and put me through to Jerry Doucette's room. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Jerry Doucette answers the phone. He goes, I'm the singer in the band. Like being a smart ass, eh? He knew they were, who she was phoning for. Well, anyway, Randy comes back to the hospital. And uh, here I am wandering around the parking lot, stoned out of my friggin' mind with two casts in my hand. And I couldn't leave uh, Alberta. I had to stay for three days. I went back to the hotel and all I did, uh, I laid in bed and I just drank water and I sweat. I had the, the chills, soak the bed, get out, change all my clothes until finally I went through all my clothes. I went through all the sheets on the bed, all the towels, I, Everything was soaked, and this went on for days. I finally got out on Wednesday. We had a, a, a Thursday. We went down to Lewiston. We got all set up. Friday, we flew down, and we nearly fucked that up, too, because uh, it was a, a freak thunder shower going to Buffalo, right, airport. 
We barely made the flight, which caused it to be late to Detroit. And then they weren't going to let us on the connecting flight to Connecticut, right? We had to beg to get on that flight. And Linda slipped going through the airport and sprained her ankle. She went right down in her ass like a uh, sack of shit, right? And uh, so anyway. I remember that. <laughs> we finally got down there and I was still sick. Like we have that show on uh, DVD. Man, hey, you got your uh, video on, Daryl? I don't know. Yeah. No, we don't see you. We just see your name. Daryl, oh, you look like a square black thing. Hey, where's my video? Oh, start video. There it is. Good evening, gentlemen. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. We have Gary, Brian, and Daryl from Helix today. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing. How are you doing, man? Good to be here. Doing good. Doing good to see you guys. Um, so the reason why you're on the show today is you've got an album you're promoting, the um, Eat Sleep, oh my goodness, Eat Sleep Rock album. So I want to talk about that, but first, we could just have a little bit of basic bio origin story, if you may, of the band to where we are now and promoting this album. Well, the band was started in 1974. Um, we went through uh, many years uh, before we <clears throat> even released our first album. Our first album was released in 1979. We were signed to Capital EMI Records in 1983. Uh, we lost that deal in 1989, approximately. We went to Aquarius briefly, GWR, Grudge Records of the United States. And since mm -hmm. then, uh, <clears throat> we've been on various labels. Uh, most, mostly, though, we uh, license uh, the albums now to uh, different companies like Paris Records. And uh, the uh, lineup right now uh, is the <clears throat> Fritz, Daryl, and myself from the uh, uh, 80s lineup that people remember. And mm -hmm. uh, new guitar player, Chris Chiopi, who's been in the band since 2014. And Gary Borden, who has been with us uh, during the 90s. And now he's back. He's played for uh, uh, Sash Jordan and many recording acts. He's a great guy. And uh, Gary's with us today, actually. Uh, although Gary has been able to play a, a gig since he's come back. So <laughs> hopefully this year. <clears throat> so let's take a, a look at the uh, the new album, well, more of a compilation. First, you want to talk about how it came about in Paris Records? Well, Tom and I have a long relationship uh, going back many years, and um, I wanted to put together uh, a best of album of the independent stuff since we left Capitol Records back in 1989. And uh, although we didn't have anything from... Uh, Back for Another Taste, I don't think. We didn't have anything from uh, Abyss Doing Pleasure. There were albums in there that weren't represented. But uh, for, the, for the most part, it gave an overview of uh, uh, the band since uh, the early 90s. And uh, we had one new track, Eat Sleep Rock. And uh, it was originally meant to hold us over to the next studio album. And uh, we're still waiting for that to happen. And everything blew up and the world went crazy. And you know, I run the band and, uh, uh, you know, every, we're a team, obviously, uh, but uh, I have to watch some money because, um, you know, I don't know how long this uh, stuff's going to last. And I also have to take care of my guys, try to keep them working through this period and uh, yep. playing. So um, uh, we had Eat Sleep Rock come out in the fall of last year, and then we uh, uh, backed it up with two new videos. That took a lot of planning coordination, especially with the mm. COVID restrictions, the lockdowns, the quarantines, all that stuff. And uh, But it basically kept our uh, uh, name out there. And I think now, uh, if things are starting to open up, we're looking at the possibilities of maybe coming back with an acoustic show 
um, maybe going back and re-releasing some of the uh, older catalog. Uh, for instance, uh, It's a Business Doing Pleasure and maybe taking the best songs in that album, adding a few new tracks and writing a few new tracks. So uh, we have a lot of back catalog that was never out on vinyl. And uh, vinyl has now surpassed CDs and sales. Really? So, uh, you know, we, we can go back and we can revisit some of those albums and re-release them and uh, just work them till things get uh, kind of back to normal. When we were signed to Capital EMI Records, uh, um, uh, the publishing was owned by our management at that time. He since given it back to me. He's gone on to uh, other things. And uh, so I have the publishing for all our catalog that was there during the uh, Capital EMI period. But I don't uh, own the masters. Today, I own the masters and I own the publishing of, of uh, percentages of the songs that I wrote mm-hmm. uh, whenever I write with anybody, though I don't take the publishing. Um, I let them beat the publishing server. It's got a hand in it. Uh, there's such little money now in, in original music, right? I, yeah. I, I think I'd feel guilty uh, taking that mm-hmm. nowadays because, uh, you know, it's not really that much anyway. So, um, right. but we we record our own albums which gives us total control and then we go out and we uh, license those albums uh, i like paris records and tom Mathers very much because uh, i think he knows the music very well and uh he uh distributes our product through selecta hits which is the old uh sam phillips label which as you know uh, uh elvis crosby was on johnny cash uh carl perkins and uh so it's a good lineage of a, a distribution so yeah. Uh, Tom knows the music. He, he's uh, uh, adjusting with the times. We did something like 140 internet radio IDs this time around rather than approaching, uh, uh, you know, conventional radio, which really doesn't want to give us the time of day. Um, we go to internet radio now and, and Tom is really good at uh, sussing that out for us and finding where to go and like you. <laughs> well, thank you. So let's let's go over the um, the album to start to the the story of Helix. Aside one, so, yeah. two, two years back, Brian was uh, wintering down in uh, Florida, and when he gets down there, his mind gets churning over and over. And I started hearing from him more and more often. Hey, what if we we did this song that was like the story of Helix, uh, but it's not really a song. It's kind of like we talk through it, and then then we play a little bit and we put some different stuff in it here and there, and so. He sat and he, vid- he wrote it all out, figured it all out, what he wanted to, to say in it, uh, mm-hmm. taking it uh, right from day one all the way up to the present day. And uh, it, it turned out to be about seven minutes long. I'm going, Brian, you, you, can't, you can't do this. It's seven <laughs> minutes long. And, uh, but, you know, who says that we can't? Like, there's no rule anymore that you can't have a seven-minute song on your own album. So... Uh, everything's there. When, when he got back, we started figuring uh, figuring out what the music, uh, what what we would do to to emphasize things. And I then then I went away and worked on it for about uh, a month, uh, dropping little bits and pieces into it and finishing it up. And and uh, yeah, that's the story of Helix. But but we have to have a uh, the, the next pressing of the record. We'll have to add uh, a minute's worth to include Gary in it. Um, how about Eat, Sleep, Rock? Eat, Sleep, Rock was actually a song that I wrote with Sean Kelly a couple years previous. And we always had the song kicking around. And um, 
this album became an excuse to, to finish it off and uh, get it uh, on the album. It seemed like uh, a good title to sum up what the album was about. I just took straight rock songs, no ballads. Uh, and uh, some of them were my favorite songs over the years. So well, when we did the video, Brent had come to me with a effect that he'd figured out. And what it, he had done, he slowed down the track it still sounded like the, the song was going at normal speed. I don't know how to really explain it, but uh, we had to go to that timing exactly and then try to exaggerate our movements as we did it, which was just kind of funky. Uh, but we all did, a, did it, and um, we came in at separate times, and uh, we did it on green screen. And just when we even put it together, it looked so funky, and then Brent took those images and he even uh, further enhanced them by uh, putting perspective on it where he moved the uh, picture around and uh, he added uh, I think an effect called an earthquake effect and he really played around with it but it's uh, it just starts from and beginning to end it's like one shot of each person which I thought was really cool and uh, the fact that we did it once again in COVID whenever you look at at this video and the tequila video they're gonna you can almost tell when they were made because of uh, uh, um, the restrictions and everything in the videos like the mass and in the tequila video and and, and this one uh, we had to uh, basically film because of COVID we couldn't get together so we had to all do our parts separately. What is Shock City Psycho Rock? Well, I'll turn that one over to Daryl again because Daryl produced that and that was when Daryl first started producing for the band and uh, he did a great job on that album. And uh, that was in 1996, wasn't it, Gerald? Uh, somewhere in there, 96, 97. Yeah. Why don't you tell uh, these songs? Well, Shock City Psycho Rock's a song that uh, uh, had been written uh, earlier in the band's career uh, by uh, Mike Uslock, the bass player at the time. Uh, I think uh, Leo Nebedek had a hand in it and Brian. Um, and Brian brought the song uh, when we were looking at putting the album together. Like, oh, okay, that's a great song. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, and then uh, as the song uh, grew and became the monster that it ended up being, we started adding more and more things into it and just, uh, it became like a kitchen sink of production. There's kazoo in there through a Marshall stack. There's, uh, there's two different piano parts in there. Uh, I, I, unfortunately, I can't remember the guy who came in to do it. Uh, I think his name was Tim was his first name. Uh, used to go out with somebody at, the, at our management company's office. Anyway, he played this really funky, uh, almost like a honky-tonk piano in there. And, uh, uh, one of Brian's uh, students, I think it was at the time, played another part underneath that was a little more subdued, but very melodic. Uh, I and think at the end, we had all kinds of... Go ahead. I think it was Kylie Joe Mazin, uh, a country student I had, and it was uh, Jennifer McLaren, who was another student. That's it, Jennifer McLaren. Yep. Uh, and then uh, at the end... Where, where the outtake is, Fritz was supposed to come in, and there's, there's a, this recurring character that Fritz has called Johnny Groover, and it goes back to his days in Star Child. 
and he was supposed to come in and say something, but he took on, he was living in Detroit at the time. He took back off to Detroit that the night before, and I'm at the studio waiting for him, and he doesn't show. So I went, well, I still want to put something there. I left the hole for it. So what I did was uh, I said, hi, I'm Johnny Groover. And the reason I'm not Johnny Groover, no, hi, it's Daryl. Uh, Johnny Groover was supposed to be here, but Fritz didn't show up today. And he turned it backwards. So we do have back, back, a backward message on a Helix album. That's our satanic and message. Fox City Psycho Rock <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Um, Wrecking Ball from Half Alive. It goes directly from Shock City Psycho Rock. I wanted it to drop right into the next song. So okay. there's like a little... And then we're right into it. It's like there's it's a millisecond uh, between the two tracks. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's something I always liked. I always thought that that really draws your attention to it. Like draws you in right away. Oh, cool. That's your lead, right, Gary? No, that's Chich. Oh, it's Chich playing the lead. That's Mark, Mark Chichkin uh, did the lead in that song. Uh, at the end of it, uh, he gets a little bit ahead of the track, but it just felt so good we left it. Brian and, and Chich had the uh, the vocal thing for the Wrecking Ball, and then... No, I think, I don't, I, you know right? what happened with that song? Chich showed up at a practice, and he says, I got this song. And he goes, it goes like this. My love is like a wrecking ball, headed for your paper wall. And there was like six gazillion friggin' lyrics. I said, I said, Chitch, it's just the chorus is I could hear the whole song in my head, the first couple lines, right? Your love is like a wrecking ball, headed for a paper wall. And I went home and I wrote it, and he didn't want to change his song. And we had kind of an argument. I went, Look, Chitch. He says, I don't care if you get total credit for this song. I just want. I know I can hear the song in my head, right? So finally we did the song and uh, it's basically I just sang it to whoever figured it out, I guess. I think Daryl and I went and uh, figured out, oh, I did that, the intro riff and then uh, we kind of got the arrangement that way. Did we, hey, Daryl? Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically live off the floor. Uh, cowbell, more cowbell the whole way through. Fritz had it on the kit and so we couldn't do it. It's everywhere. <laughs> and everything because it, it was basically live right live off the floor maybe uh the, the solo was overdubbed and a couple of background vocals but that's about it we should yeah. do that one again when we get back to it yeah killer tune killer tune um so then i'm alive frankenstein for my solo album yeah it started off being a volmer song and uh we, we started doing it live and we just kept it in the set sometimes you take it out put it back in we are, we're always uh, changing up the set. Okay. Uh, how about, so go we're on side two, Even Jesus? Even Jesus about how, uh, actually, the year we wrote in 2014, uh, actually, we wrote it in 2013. Uh, let me correct that. But uh, I had this thing going with my hometown of London, Ontario, because uh, uh, I was having a heck of a time trying to get airplay here. And just even trying to get ink in the local newspaper. And um, meanwhile, we were going over, we were doing a tour in Spain, Sweden. We're going all over the damn place, right? And over there were stars. And uh, I just thought it ironic. And I know a lot of artists uh, experience that. Sometimes 
when they come home, they're like, you know, nobody could care less. And then they go to another country and they're like huge. So that's what that song's about. Cyberspace grows from the Power of Rock and Roll album. I wrote that with uh, Gord Pryor and Steve George Kapopoulos. Uh, it's about the guys that, uh, you know, uh, jerk off the porn watching the computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. When the bitters get, the better view. We won't mention any names. What? <laughs> when the bitters got, the better view. <laughs> that was written by Sean Kelly and myself. I thought it was a great title. Um, you know, it's when basically when life gets you down. And uh, he had uh, a lot of the lyrics written, and, and uh, I added a few things in there um, when I heard the song. And uh, it's always been one of my favorite uh, Helix songs lyrically. It's a, it's a fun title. Okay, uh, the tequila song? Tequila song I wrote with Gord Pryor and uh, uh, Steve George Kapopoulos once again. We originally released that on vinyl. It was a, 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 a two-sided uh, album. It was the tequila song. The other side was uh, The Devil is Having a Party. The Devil is Having a Party. And uh, I love both those songs. And um, we did a video uh, that we just released on New Year's Eve uh, for the song. It's a real fun video uh, because we thought uh, there's enough death and despair and everything else out there right now. Might as well have a little laugh. I, I, I agree. It's actually a nice idea. Um, uh, sorry. Gene Simmons says rock is dead. What is that all about? Okay. Why don't you take it from here, Daryl? You know this one. Uh, Sean and Brian wrote this one. And it, uh, a number of years back, uh, in the press, Gene Simmons said, well, you know, rock and roll is dead. You know, there, there's nothing new. Rock and roll is dead. And uh, Brian and Sean disagreed. Uh, their position in the song is, hey, it's not dead. Out there, there's all kinds of people that are picking up guitars and learning how to play and being mm -hmm. inspired uh, still by rock music. Uh, and it never went away in Europe. The huge festivals over there every year. It just in North America, uh, tastes are a little more fluid, I guess. <laughs> and the last is uh, the Devil's having a party tonight. Devil's having a party tonight. That was uh, the first song we wrote with the uh, lineup that we have now, plus Caleb. Actually, it's written just previous to, to Gary joining the band. Um, it was really cool when we wrote the song i thought anyway because uh song actually came about very easily when we wrote it and it's got a lot of different parts of that song it almost sounds like an iron maiden uh a song but it's got that uh, uh um, kind of sing-along chorus that uh, helix is known for uh so uh, and we're doing it on stage pretty much every night and uh one of my favorite songs once again it's all, it's, it fits. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is a fun album. I mean, it's got a lot, a lot of good energy on it. I, I enjoyed it. Um, well, I want to thank you guys. I guess before I end, I do have to ask you about your hat. <laughs> Where did you get it? It's pretty cool. I got this at Dorn Fort Myers down at, uh, I think, uh, Forgotten Times was the name of the store, but it's basically yeah. a steampunk uh, store. And it's got another uh, um, twin store about two blocks away from it. Uh, called something else but uh, not only do they have hats they have all sorts of art and just weird weird punk rock or, uh, yeah. or steampunk stuff you know 
but when when I bought this hat, I, I was doing the my solo album, uh, Get Your Hands Dirty, and uh, I wanted to have my face on the front cover, but I wanted something to make it different. And when I saw the hat, uh, the hat uh, struck me as being that thing that would, you know, set me apart. So I got the hat and um, I don't know, it's just been kind of my, my, my trademark thing. I love it. It's great. I, I love right. it. Um, I said no to deal with it. All right, gentlemen, do you have anything coming up you want to put out there? No, just same old, same old. We're going to keep working away and uh, hopefully things will open up, uh, you know, and, and, you know, start playing towards the end of the year. Uh, in the meantime, we're just going to uh, keep uh, writing songs and, um, you know, me, maybe me and Daryl will work on uh, some of those uh, albums to get them back out there, like I discussed before. It depends how the money goes, you know. Uh, you got to be careful, you know, just like any other business. If you want to survive through this time, you got to be make sure if you're going to spend money, uh, that is, you got to really get your money's worth out of it. There's no room to waste money because <laughs> there's not a lot of money coming in. So, when when I decide to spend money in the band, it's to keep the the profile up so people don't forget us. So usually that comes out in a video, but you know there's other things. Sometimes we'll put on a merch special or just uh, um, you know something like that, or I don't know. We'll keep thinking up things and uh, we'll we'll get through. We survived a lot of things before uh, disco and uh, uh, you know. So <laughs> thank Bye. you very much. Thanks, Sean. Okay, Thanks, Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So remember, Bye. yep. Be square. I'll see you around. Catch you on the flip side. Whoosh. <laughs>